بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد عن أبي يعلى شداد بن أوس عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إن الله كتب الإحسان على كل شيء فإذا قتلتم فأحسنوا القتلة وإذا ذبحتم فأحسنوا الذبحة وليحد أحدكم شفرته وليرح ذبيحته So this narration is related by Imam Muslim this time Bukhari did not relate it but he related another one that's a bit it's similar, it's got slightly different words. It says, Inna Allaha Azza wa Jalla Muhsinun. That starts off with saying, Allah is Muhsin. Allah does things excellently. Because the word Ihsan um, comes from the word Husn. It's a transitive verb from the word Husn. Husn means what? Beauty. What else does it mean? Perfection. Perfection may be in, in like a consequential sense. Otherwise, perfection is more Kamal. But people translate it like that as well. But the word husn means beauty. Beauty means proportion, right? And uh, beauty is something that a person is inclined to. That's what you call beauty. You should read Prince Ghazi's book on love in the Holy Quran. He's like a, 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 a complete expert on love. So that love has a lot to do with beauty, husn. So ihsan means to do things with beauty, to do things with goodness, to do things with excellence. And of course you can say to do things with perfection because perfection is the ultimate beauty, right? And um, so how do you... So then the Prophet ﷺ gave these examples. Essentially the Prophet ﷺ is saying that Allah has kataba. Now the word kataba, whenever it's used in the Quran, it's used in a prescriptive meaning. Kataba means to write, literally. But it's been used, kutiba alaykum as-siyam. Fasting has been written upon you, i.e. decreed obligated so Allah has obligated ihsan in everything right do things beautifully that's why I get really upset when people get a book and they just publish it anyhow thinking it's okay because we at White Thread Press we're so particular about perfection and it, but then it does take us years and years to produce a single book whereas others are churning out books and they tell us why are you worried about why, why just get the get the information out there so when I actually saw this that MashaAllah, you know, it's, it's done well, you know, it's, it's produced well, inshallah, there's some ihsan here, so I'm really happy to see this, you appreciate it. So, especially when it comes to religious things, we need to focus more on uh, perfection in those things. So, an ihsana fi kulli shay, to make something beautiful and excellent in everything, that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prescribed for us. And then the Prophet just gave us some examples. Why these examples is the question. Why would you say the Prophet gave these examples? He could have given hundreds of other examples about perfecting prayer, for example, perfecting the way you eat. There could have been perfecting cooking, maybe. Why did he talk about these things? So the first one he talked about is that if you kill, then kill, kill well. Don't worry, I'm not recording you. I'm not going get, to get you in trouble. I mean, I'm just wondering, you know, it's just thinking about it. Right? So when you sacrifice an animal, then do it well and really if you see the way animals are sacrificed in many places or slaughtered in many places if if only you know these hadith there's only one i mean i haven't seen lots of places but there's one place i went alhamdulillah they were doing it very well the guy was so calm right 
he was very calm in the way he was doing it. But in most places, what they do is when they're, you know, for qurbani or for the normal eating, what they do is they, they have all the animals there and they're slaughtering them in front of one another. And that's one of the most evil things you could do because animals have a feeling and you don't want to... It's bad for the animal, it's bad for you. You want to eat the meat of that animal. Why would you want to eat the meat of a stressed animal? So at the end of the day, even from a selfish perspective, it's wrong to do that. So the idea is that you have the animals there, maybe have a veil or something, a, a divider or something, you take the animal behind and you cut there, make the, sure the knife is very sharp and don't give, give people uh, like, let me try, let me try, you know, and they don't know how to do it and they do it half. I've seen that in Qurbani, right, where they let children or something, okay, you do your Qurbani. I know it's good, we're training them, but come on. And they, they do half the job and the animal is in great agony because we, we, we believe that if you slice it just completely, you know, through the at least the three of the four, it's the windpipe, the trachea and the two, two uh, what do you call them, the jugular veins, right? You, you have to, um, the food pipe, the air pipe, and then you've got the two, what is it, what is it called? So out of those four, three of them have to be done for it to be right. And it has to be done as swiftly as possible. So that's what the Prophet ﷺ is saying here. That's why then specifically he said, make sure the knife is very sharp. And how does he translate that here? Spare the suffering to the animal he slaughters. Trying the best. Some people think this is a contradiction. If you get a vegetarian, he's going to say, man, this is... Uh, how can you say this is sparing suffering? <laughs> You're telling him to kill an animal. How are you going to spare the suffering? Because it's a narrative, right? There's a narrative that you have in your mind already. So, I mean, that's a very, then, then there's no point trying to explain this. You're going to try to explain, uh, deal with the narrative itself. So anyway, let's get back to this hadith. Allahu Akbar. Now, when he says, when the Prophet ﷺ said, every action must be done well. How do you, what is the criteria for doing an action well? Because there's various different actions. So is there one universal criteria for doing every action well? No, right? That's difficult. So when you slaughter an animal, there's a unique way to be doing that in an excellent way. If you're going to bake a cake or make a, a biryani, right? There's a certain way to do that. I'm sure everybody would appreciate ihsan in biryani, right? Right, if nothing else, I mean, at least that's great. If you're giving somebody a gift, there's an ihsan in that. If you're presenting food, there's an ihsan in that. Of course, then a person has to be careful that they don't use the concept of ihsan to become such a perfection, a debilitating perfectionist, right? Because that's debilitating then, right? There, there has to be a middle ground. There has to be a moderate mean that you have to that we have to adhere to. So some people who are too lax, where it's all sloppy, then we need to get better at that. And there's people who are so perfectionist that they just can't get anything done because they just keep fussing around. So there has to be a balance in this as well, just like with everything else. So just because honey is a shifa, it doesn't mean that a diabetic can have three tablespoons of it. You see what I'm saying? So that, that's the same kind of thing here. The Prophet says things in a context. And if anything's taken beyond that context, then it's an abuse anyway. You can't then just say, oh, Prophet wants it perfect, so I'm going to take 10 years to do this. Right? 
So for everything, the excellence in it will be according to the nature of it, basically. And then even within that, there will be a wajib amount, a, an obligatory amount, and then there will be an optional amount that you can go beyond, depending on circumstances and context as well, for everything. Now, there's a lot of discussion, if you, when you look at the classical uh, commentaries of this hadith, there's a lot of discussion about jihad there. Right? I'm not going to be able to have that discussion because we don't have too much time and um, I guess it's not as relevant we, we're, but, but basically there's so many laws of jihad that relate to this because the first the first فَإِذَا قَتَلْتُمْ فَأَحْسِنُ الْقِتْلَ If you are going to kill somebody then you need to do it well because in Islam there's several forms of killing Right? one is in jihad you're killing the enemy which happens anyway in the world number two if you're killing somebody because uh, an I, uh, um, a life for a life, like for example in America they have the life, uh, the, the, the death penalty. It's very strange, you've got two Western countries, Americans in many states are fine with it, but in England when you talk about it they just freak out, as though it's something that is inconceivable, and yet people across the divide uh, are fine with it, right? That's just within two. So the idea is that whenever there's a religiously sanctioned killing, then it needs to be done well. You can't mess around in that. So then there's these huge laws about, let's just say that somebody who killed, uh, murdered somebody else. So they're supposed to be murdered. Now, as Allah says in the Quran, وَكَتَبْنَا عَلِيهِمْ فِيهَا أَنَّ النَّفْسَ بِالنَّفْسِ This was that we stipulated or prescribed upon the Bani Israel, right, the Israelites, that a life for a life, right? Now, they had to take the life in their religion. But in Islam, he said, you take the life, but if you forgive, you got, you've got, uh, you, th there's permission for you to expiate for it by giving a ransom instead. You're not forced to kill the other person. You can forgive them, or you can take a ransom instead. Now there's big discussion that let's just say somebody mutilated somebody's body and killed them. So now the ulama are discussing that since it's supposed to be an eye for an eye, like for like, would we be allowed, would, would um, the state be allowed then to the punishment be that they also mutilate the other person and then kill them? Or is it just killing? So now you've got two opinions there. Some say yes, you could mutilate the same, you know, to the same degree, cut off the nose or eyes or whatever it is that people have done, because there's a hadith in which that happened in the time of the Prophet and others say that no, that was the earlier command maybe, but no, you can't do that. It's just straightforward killing, finish it off, don't do anything like that. Then there's these big discussions about whether you're allowed to punish using fire or not. Some Sahaba used to allow it, like Ali did that in one case, and so on and so forth. Even with animals, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed, for example, if there's an anthill, or if there's a bird, uh, uh, or, or something that is aggrav ants, for example. There's a certain way that you're supposed to get rid of them. So this re relates to all of these things. Right? I just want to give you the scope of it. I don't want to not discuss it at all because at the end of the day it's not fair because that, that the Prophet is indicating towards these things. And I just want to mention it that at least you, you understand these things uh, that there is this discussion here. And um, because once the Prophet ﷺ saw an anthill that was burnt and he got very upset. He got very upset. He said, um, in one occasion, he said, Fire is only used by Allah to punish. So nobody else should use fire to punish somebody. 